Welcome to Travel Worth Living, a travel podcast helping to share stories that matter from around the world. My name is Seth, and I'll be your host today as I talk with a longtime friend and avid photographer, Stefan Heldzinger. If I were to describe this episode in one word, it would have to be energy. I'm pretty sure it's all the coffee Stefan has consumed, but in any case, his passion for travel and his drive as a creative in the photography space is contagious. During our conversation, we talk about his figurative speed dating in Europe, his experience without sleep in Iceland, his South African heritage, why meeting up with fellow creatives while traveling is so important, and how you can become an experienced travel photographer. Be sure and connect with Stefan on Instagram after listening to this episode at Stefan Helsinger. And now, here is my conversation with Stefan. I am a specialty coffee barista, so I just I I'm, I combine science and coffee kind of thing, and it's very artistic and very yeah. That's the very generalized term, but really, I just I I just serve people coffee that's just ethically sourced. We feel I care about the supply chain. We make sure that the people, the farmers, everyone in between is getting paid up properly and whatnot, which is kind of what the whole specialty or third wave coffee is about. And then on the side, I also am a freelance photographer. I'm starting to get into video as well. But yeah, I create that. I have my own Instagram that I just post stuff that I create, have fun, connect. I love community. So built a small community on there that I just love to uh, share what's happening in my life, my experience. And uh, of course, the art of photography, coffee, any of that good stuff. And what's your handle? Uh, Stefan Heldzinger, just the one word. I make it simple, man. I'm, I'm building a brand. This is a brand <laughs> here. You got to be able to connect. It's not like, oh, so your name's Stefan. What is your, uh, what is your Instagram handle? Well, it is like above and beyond the clouds in the heights. The third way <laughs> coffee. Coffee from, yeah. No, we'll we'll just keep plugging that. Yeah. The way of bean. <laughs> the what? The way of the bean. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, so yeah, you you post a lot of coffee, a lot of coffee, mercy. And but you also do a lot of uh photography like yep, behind you there's a bunch of Keymaxes and yeah, what got you into coffee? What what started that passion? Oh, that is a good question. All right. So, first year of uh of my wife not being married, um so last semester uh at at college and um yeah, at, at the time, I think you probably remember the days when I used to like, you know, dress up with the bow tie and the suit and all. Yeah, so I was still in my fashion phase. I was posting those kind of like photos like that on Instagram. So I was just scrolling and I guess I saw like a sponsor, maybe it's a sponsor post. I don't know. But I saw a photo of a Chemex. So I saw I, one of these and I was like, that's coffee? I was like, no way. Because I always thought, you know, like, you know, you go to like First Watch or Denny's Diner, or, you know, any of those places, and it's like someone's like, "Oh, you want decaf or regular?" Well, I was like, "Oh, that's coffee, disgusting." So that's when I was like, "Wait, it's more." So I did my research and bought that Chemex. That's my original one. I bought a kettle. Still have that kettle too. I broke my first grinder, but yeah, I, I think I tossed it. But anyways, did all my research, bought all the stuff I needed, and um, yeah, that was just kind of the beginning when I moved down here. My youth pastor at the time here in Texas was very into coffee and uh he he actually made the first pour over on my chemex and that it's just been a journey from there i eventually left corporate work because i was working as a manager at old navy because i really enjoy especially coffee and i realized i could actually make a decent living i could make my way uh being a barista so then i got on board with that and got into like espresso and all the other all the other fantastic ways of brewing coffee but that is the origin story <laughs> the aesthetic it. bro 
the aesthetic is what drew me in. I was like, oh my word, this looks so wonderful. Hence, hence me posting so many photos about it because I, I, I just can't stop making it. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because it's kind of like your your coffee passion led into your photography passion because of the aesthetics of 100%. coffee. 100%. That's literally what happened. I would make coffee and then I started to want to like take photos, start with an iPhone, and then I kind of moved on from there. Um because I just enjoy capturing the process. So yeah, hundred percent. It was coffee then photography, not not the other way around. And and now you've kind of branched out into like urban photography. And what what's kind of your what would you consider yourself as in terms of photography? Like landscape, portrait, urban. What's your favorite? I've ne oh like favorite. I've never done. I it's funny because you know everyone wants to talk about not being labeled and stuff like that. I don't like labels like that. I just. I, I'm very much like, I think on my Instagram, I just say, I know I'm a barista and then I'm like, I'm a creative director because I create content. I envision content and I'm an artist. Right. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how I use them there too. I'm an artist and I'm a, and I'm a barista, but uh, I would say I love product photography. That's probably the thing that I'm the best at. I do the most. So that kind of falls under the coffee, whatever, stuff like that. But, oh man, going to Iceland, oh, shooting, shooting in Banff where I used to live. I've been you know, Banff National Park up in Alberta, Canada. Love landscape photography too. Love urban photography too. New York City, the city was a dream. And um, yeah, what, 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 crap. I had one other one. Probably my least favorite is portraits. I just haven't really done it that much. I shot my first wedding. Shot my first wedding here beginning of this year. That was a blast actually. Definitely a little bit more anxiety filled and stressful than I personally like. I just, I, I, I love product photography because I can go slow. I can focus on the details. It's all about the aesthetic. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say lifestyle photography envelops everything for me because it can have the person in an urban or landscape setting. Maybe you're making coffee or maybe you're shooting for a boot company. That's probably my, the, probably the best answer there. Long-winded answer, but yeah. That's what this podcast is about. Long-winded answers. It, it keeps, keeps it easy for me. I don't have to ask as many, as many questions. <laughs> Now, dude, we did, yeah, my brother and I did weddings. It's stressful. I mean, that's that's their day. Like, you don't want to mess it up. You have to get it perfect. Yeah. There's there's no, like, take your time, get the right shot. Like, you're just trying to get whatever you can. It can and happen. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's rough. <laughs> but, no, that's awesome. So, yeah, you mentioned Iceland and Banff. You, you can't say Banff without, like, it's so powerful. It's like, I went to Banff. You know, it's not like, I went to Banff. It, it's such is, a gorgeous it's place. It's like a statement. It's like a vicious statement. Like, all right, Literally. Great customer service, great products, and we've been to BAM. You're like, oh, yeah. What? They're amazing. No, I'm serious. Like, if you look at, look sometime at how people post about different locations. And the way people post about BAM, it's just like, it's just like another level. It's like, you know, what is, what is it? What is the term? Like, just like ninth heaven or whatever. It's something like that. It's just like another level of just, I went to BAM. <laughs> yeah it's definitely worth it it's not it, no one's no one's no one's you know fluffing this up this is not being conflated Banff is literally magical it's 100 <laughs> percent. yeah so so tell me about Banff I've actually been there but for those who haven't been there uh what is it and what is all the hype about okay so Banff is a national park uh, it's about an hour um west of Calgary Alberta that is like um the stampy cowboy City in uh, it's on the west side of uh, of Canada. It is the second to last province on the west side. You have British Columbia, and then you have uh, Alberta. But yeah, Banff is just it's a this ginormous. I'm not I don't actually know the numbers on how big the park is itself. 
but it's, it's just beauty. It is just pure, unadulterated nature in its purest, truest, most phenomenal form. And what really stands out about Banff is that there's like glacier fed water, you know, like, and, and so like it's glacier fed. And so all these lakes and runoffs and whatnot, uh, it's just an aqua color. Um, and it's just absolutely gorgeous to like look at and actually makes good coffee too. Cause I made coffee with the glacier water. Yeah. When you travel, you take such amazing pictures. Like you incorporate the coffee and you take the Chemex with you and take pictures of those. Uh, yeah, just that aesthetic in nature. It's really cool. I, I love it. Like prior, prior to the pandemic hitting, that was like my big plan that I wanted to do more of. I wanted to just travel more and just firstly experience it, having coffee in a different country. That was, that's a fun thing. Like in Iceland, like I make coffee so many times in 72 hours because I just kept wanting to do it again and again. It was so much fun. But um, yeah, that's, it, it, there, there's just something fun about capturing and experiencing like, you know, making coffee in different countries and whatnot. So. Yeah. So your Iceland trip, um, you slept what nine hours in seventy two hours? Did, I keep you not. I slept nine hours, and most of it was the first night because I overslept and I I, I got to the uh, to the DC three crash late. And it was, bro, I went like the, the, the one time it's not not cloudy in Iceland was the time I was there. It was like five days that year, and like the locals were like, "Oh yeah, this is like the most straight days of flight we've had like in like two years or something." I'm like, seriously. Like, it was so sunny when I was there. So I, I think the next day, like, I just made sure that I – I woke up at 3 a.m. and I went back out to the plane in order to get the, like, moody shot that I wanted. Because when the sun's out, there's nothing there to cover it. You just feel like you're on, like, the beach in Florida, except it's freezing. <laughs> yeah. And that plane is so far away. Dude, four-mile four round trip, bro. Like, that is and, – and I lugged out all my crap. Like, it was a lot of stuff to carry because all my different Chemex stuff, I had my tripod. It was just, I looked like my, my entire uh, uh, carry on was just coffee stuff and camera stuff when I went to Iceland. So <laughs> I carried that everywhere. That was, that was, oh my word. And then sleeping in a compact, bro, you, you haven't slept wrong until you sleep curled up. You're in the fetal position, bro. That's probably also another reason why I only slept nine hours. I couldn't sleep. And I did have a, I did bring a sleeping bag, bro. I, I so did not plan for that trip. I didn't plan for anything. I, I did pack a pillow, no sleeping bag. I I had one of those like you know one of those like um um crap what's the what's the what's the company called now you know the ones with like the really cool like blankets. Dang it, I can't believe I'm blanking on their name right now. Oh, something in ashes, sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. <laughs> Out of or, I always forget their name. Anyway, so I bought like a cheaper version of that. Like it was like a thirty dollar blanket. I slept with that, bro. I was freezing. Anyway. <laughs> That was whack. 72 hours. Because that's all I had. I also underplanned for that. I should have totally been like there like a week prior to the wedding to just explore, which is what Jonathan and Elizabeth did. But yeah. I was like, three days. I'm good. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, you're, you're just going to have to come back, which we were talking about before the pandemic thing. So once everything settles down, yeah, you'll just have to come back. <laughs> <laughs> waiting. I'm waiting. So, oh my word. So when you traveled there, um, yeah, what equipment did you take? What do you use for anybody who's like super into photography and is interested in doing uh, travel photography? Grab my camera right here. I probably should have had it out before, but you know. So this is the same camera body I had. This is the EOS R. This is the first mirrorless camera that Canon created. They now have much better ones, but 
Honestly, this isn't a bad camera. Uh, fantastic. I now have, it's, it's the same lens I have, I, I had on back then. This is just a really expensive RF mirrorless version. It's 24 to 70. That's my favorite lens just because you can go from being super wide to almost, to not almost actual telephoto. But um, yeah, so it's a full frame camera. Um, it, it literally just does everything I needed to. Like I actually bought the camera for the trip. So glad I did. Like all the visual preparation I did for the trip totally paid off. Um, I just like, it was my skill level that was lacking. It was my first time actually shooting landscape. So if you, if you, if you ever see some of the photos I've taken from there, I didn't use a wide angle lens like once. No, I, I, I used it one time and that was the shot I took up the plane. The other time I was shooting with like a 70 to 200, like literal telephoto zoom lens. Like why? <laughs> I shot so many bad photos of that trip, but it was, it was, it was fantastic. But yeah, so shoot Canon, shoot, shoot their mirrorless. That's what I, that's what I roll with. You're taking pictures of sheep up on the hill somewhere, probably. Dude, I didn't see any sheep. I didn't see any of the, really? What, the, the really horses. I didn't see any sheep either. Were they out by then? Now I'm not sure. I think they were. They should have been. It was May. It was, it was beginning of May. Yeah. Oh, was there like May the ninth or something like that? So yeah. or the seventh, something like that. Yeah. No, I maybe I was just driving too fast, dude. I, I I'm surprised I, I did not get a ticket when I was there. Granted, I was on the like you know the 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 country roads far out, but dude, I was booking it. I was doing ninety almost all miles an hour. I was rolling. Oh, I was, dude. I was gonna say the speed limit is ninety, so you should have been good. <laughs> kilometer, kilometer. Oh, bro, I I don't speak that anymore. You're back in America, <laughs> which, which is funny because, yeah, you're so tell me a little bit about your family history because you're Canadian and South African. Have you been to South Africa a lot? Only twice, and unfortunately, it was all when I was younger. I mean, I, I easiest way to sum it up is just the country's just gone to crap. It's a shell of what it used to be. Um, but beautiful, literally, probably one of the most beautiful places on earth. Uh, I would say underrated because a lot of it doesn't get the love it deserves on social media, which again, that's social media who really cares. But people talk about Bali. People talk about like going to Europe and stuff. Cape town is probably one of the most unreal cities you will ever go to. So much to do, so much culture, so much beauty in that country. Cause it's like all the native, like Zulu and Golza tribes, all these people are just, so much history, so much beauty. They're just artists, just phenomenal stuff. And there's like so much resources in South Africa. They mine a quarter of the world's gold. There's diamonds. There's all sorts of stuff. Well, not a lot of diamonds, very little. Blood diamond, I like to like smudge that history. But anyway, um, I'm trying to think what else is there. Like wine, big time wine country. Um, so I've only been twice. I was two and five. Obviously, I remember when I was five more. I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed just being there. Um, Weather-wise, it's like Southern California. So very dry very dry um yeah yeah monkeys everywhere <laughs> monkeys are the monkeys are the squirrels i josh you not it is absolutely like that that's crazy yeah. in episode 32 with rob kasky from south africa phenomenal storyteller talking a lot about history and the zulu culture he actually speaks zulu um which is really cool to hear that but, is uh, really cool yeah, yeah i don't i don't even know how like how do you make those sounds? Like, how does the human voice do that? It's crazy. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, it is absolutely crazy. But also the fact I'm just super phenomenal because for for me hearing that, it's just like so crazy to see like the, how much art. Like, I think people don't realize how artistic language actually is. I think English has dumbed it down 
because it's English. But <laughs> you go yeah. anywhere else, you realize you realize how artistic language actually is and how beautiful it is. English is just like trash. <laughs> like, how can we be lazy? Oh, we got the English language. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sadly. But your your family kind of kept because you can speak Afri uh, Afrikaans, right? Yes, my first language. I love to tell people that people are like, oh, what's a crazy tip about yourself? My parents never taught me English. Like from the moment I was born, they only spoke Afrikaans. They just figured, and they figure right, is that you know, going to church, being around friends, just being saturated in an English culture, you would automatically pick it up, which they were absolutely correct. So yeah. my sister had a hard time, though, because when she was born, uh, I spoke English to her. My parents spoke Afrikaans. So she literally had a hard time speaking for a while because she was hearing simultaneously two different languages versus for me, obviously, like I was only a little bit older when I started actually, you know, going to like actual like, you know, you know, like Sabbath school, church school and all that stuff where I could actually pick it up. So like up to like, you know, one or two, I only heard one language. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I really enjoy hearing it. And if you don't mind, can you say something like, you know, I'm Stefan. I work as a barista, freelance photographer. I've traveled. Like, just something something stupid. Say it in Afrikaans. All right, I'll try. I actually don't even know what the word for uh, barista is. but Well, you I'll can say something it. totally All different. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll say something totally different, for sure, for sure. Kuyadak, amohiyad, akaza baya dankbar that I can salmonilal amohiyad in my French, Seth, Sutherland, and... I So I think you're on a podcast with Seth Sutherland and you enjoy making coffee? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That was actually really good. I pretty much said, like, good day. Really grateful to be here uh, talking with my friend and all of you all, my friend Seth Sutherland. And, uh, yeah, nice. and I make coffee. Like, <laughs> bro, like, I, I the... the the problem now is, and this is why I appreciate what my parents did, is that my grammar is wrong. So wrong because kind of like, you know, like other languages like Icelandic or Spanish or things like that, where like they have different ways of like, like verb placement, they have different tenses and stuff. Afrikaans is exactly like that too, right? It's a Dutch dialect, you have German, you know, some like high, high uh, German influence and whatnot in there. And the, the grammar is so different, but like now I'm, I think in English grammar and also because my wife can speak Afrikaans, I rarely speak it now. It's just, it's really sad when you go to speak again, you're like, crap, I really suck. I need to go back. Like I need to go back like two places, Iceland, South Africa have to go. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it happen. I'll go with you. That would be, I, I really want to visit South bro, Africa. Oh so. yes. I am so down, bro. So That'd down. be amazing. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Grammar is tough. Like, uh, my wife tried going to college here in Iceland. You know, she's Icelandic, and she was, she couldn't do it. She's like, it is it is super wow. super tough because she grew up in Denmark. So you know, she right. spoke so she family Icelandic. You know, but I right. mean, both. I was just talking to somebody today, and she was like, she was struggling in school with the higher Icelandic grammar. It's just tough. You know, like the the kids here in Iceland struggle with it. Um, That's so crazy, but yeah. Isn't uh, isn't uh, Icelandic one of the hardest languages to learn though? Isn't it like like a really hard language? Apparently, that's that's what I keep hearing, and that's what I've found. Honestly, like I've learned how to pronounce it, and so I can look at a word and kind of get an idea of what it what it says. And it's mainly down to memorization for me now. But the problem is, each word has like four, three, four, five different variations depending on the yeah. conjugation. So. Yeah, it's it's confusing as all get outs, but that 
that's the struggle there. Like you're saying, like you have different variations in the conjugations and whatnot. That w- once you start hitting like a lot of that, that's when it really like bogs you down. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been to Iceland, Banff. You also did, what did you do? A speed dating of, uh, of Europe. Tell me about that trip. I, 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 I was trying to think of a way to describe it. I was like speed dating. He's going to love this. <laughs> I was like, yes, bro. But literally like, that's the best description. I mean, three weeks. So 21 days, eight, eight countries, nine cities. That's freaking speed dating, bro. Some of those places were at for two days. <laughs> You were like, hello, goodbye. Ah, we've arrived, and now we are leaving. <laughs> it was good to see you for two seconds. But, uh, no, honestly, though, I recommend that in a way if you've never traveled internationally because it just gives you a really good, immer- like, a quick immersion or just taste for different cultures. Like, I learned so much. Ironically, I actually had a camera there. I took my brother's Canon 60D. I asked if I could borrow it. Looking back now, I'm like, how did I not break it? How did it, how did it come back in one piece? I'm just so grateful that happened. Because like now that I have my own camera, I'm like freaking out every time. I'm like, don't steal it. <laughs> it's going, the only place where I was comfortable really was Iceland. I didn't care. I was like, eh. yeah. <laughs> no one can get away. Firstly, I'll see you. Secondly, if you're running away, <laughs> I'll see you too. <laughs> so anyway. But uh, yeah, so let's see. We went to, I'm going to try to remember here off the top of my head now. Uh, we went to Belgium. We went to Switzerland. We went to France, Germany. Uh, Italy, England, and what is the one I'm missing here now? Austria. Mm. And I think that's, that's, I think that's seven or maybe that's eight. Oh, I'm trying to think. Is there anywhere else we went to? I'm pretty sure that's all of them. So that was super fun. Um, really enjoyed that trip. Just was able to just, just really learn a lot. Like I, I enjoyed that it was structured and whatnot. Cause now if I ever want to go back, I already kind of have an idea how things work. Obviously how fantastic transportation, public transportation is in Europe. Like just like, you like say it was structured. What what kind of trip was it? Uh, I did it through uh, through 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 uh, through the School of Sociology at Southern Adventist University. They had a they had a whole bunch. So I, I got six credits of worthless credits for that. You know, whatever. It was just like to fill some general stuff. So you prepare. Which, if you're a freshman and you're needing to do that, it's actually not a bad way. Um, but yeah, so it was just really fun to just actually. Funny enough, now looking back, I still have my journal from that too. That was actually the most priceless thing. And that was the, that was half of the homework. That was like the majority of the homework was to actually just journal like every day. And now I'm like, that was so fantastic. Cause now I can go back and read like what stuck out to me then, whether I now relate to it, not, or I relate to it more, whatever. But yeah, this it's, it, it's really fun to just be able to go like, just kind of go all over Europe and just see all the different things. Though. Like I just, oh. I know why everyone's obsessed with it because of just how much culture is there. Just, all the different things, whether it's like, you know, nature, whether it's the cityscape, whether it's the food, you know, just the way people are and stuff. Just it's, it's really fascinating. Like, obviously, that's why speed dating is way too fast because three weeks isn't goodness, man. Yeah. You could be in any one of those places for a year and, you, and, and you'd be like, yeah, I'm still I'm still not really, you know, I'm still, still learning a lot. Yeah, well, I hate to break this to you, but there are people who have been there their entire lives. Like, they actually live... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they live there. They they can't get away. They're still learning. No. Um, which, which country is your favorite? Probably Austria. I mean, I also love Germany a lot. We only went to Munich, so that I, I don't think Munich is the... I mean, it was, it was cool. I, we also were on the Rhine and all that fun stuff. I actually loved a lot of those towns. Like I, I remember one random one. First, like, the name's hilarious. St. Gore. 
But like, I, I know I probably, if I explored more, I know, right? But like, I know if I probably went to like the Black Forest or other areas in Germany, I would probably appreciate it more. But I just, I love Salzburg. Uh, I know Vienna is fantastic. We actually didn't go to Vienna, but Salzburg was just magical. That was my favorite just because <clears throat> it wasn't as touristy and just like, just madness like Paris or, um, let's see, where else? Like Brussels was crazy. Of course, you know, being in London is crazy, but it's hard to pick. I, I, I just love the vibe in, uh, also, because it just you, you felt like you went back in time. Like you, it, it didn't like aside from like the vehicles and things being different, you still felt like you were in the Sound of Music. Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed that. Yeah, and then the Alps are all right there, so it's just like a lot of things are very close by. But also at the time, I wasn't very much into photography, so I, I, I feel like things might change now. Also, actually, loved Interlaken, loved Lauterbrunnen as well in Switzerland. But uh, so yeah, it, it's hard to pick. But I'd say one one of those two: Switzerland or uh, Austria. Yeah, Which those are those are beautiful countries. Like, man, absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, what do you prefer? Like, do you think it's better to do like a short trip in a place just to see it, or do you think a longer trip? What are kind of the benefits and drawbacks? I know you briefly mentioned the the speed dating. Just kind of get give yourself a whole immersion in Europe. I would definitely say it all comes down to like how old you are. Like also just like, I guess like, like money, your age, your intention, things like that. Like I think now, obviously at the age I'm at now, also the experience I've been able to have, I've also been already like now I'd be like very structured, go here, like only pick like a couple places. Like now I would definitely not want to go like three weeks, you know, eight, eight countries, nine cities. That's like way too much. But at the time I'm trying to remember how old I was. This was 2013. So I was 22. Like I was back there. I'm like, man, who was that idiot? Like, what, what is going on? Like, who was that person, right? At that time, it was perfect because I had very little, like, you know, literally, I think that was my first time truly being abroad where I was old enough to understand because I grew up in Canada. So Banff was my backyard. Like, the reason why it's now so special to me is because I went as a photographer with a friend and we were, we were very structured with our trip. So before then, like, yeah, I've been to South Africa twice. I was like five. Like, you can only appreciate so much things as you mature, as you grow as your perspective on the world is. So if you have a very shallow perspective, a very shallow experience of anything international, I would definitely say immerse yourself with as much as you can get versus like when you're older, you've been to a couple of places, you have more of an idea. Or again, like say you're going on your honeymoon, like maybe like going to one place so you can maybe spend more time together. Or like if it's something very specific that that you know why you're structuring it to just a couple of things. But if, if, you're, if you've not had international experience, you want to really get a feel for things. I would definitely say something like that speed dating kind of thing is just, is really, really helpful. Cause it, it, it just, it's, it's, it's like an appetizer. What's your appetite for more that you're like, I want to come back on experience more. I know what I like. I know what I didn't like. Like, I do not like Valencia. I do not like Venice. Like at all. Like, <laughs> like I was like, why is this so popular? I'm like, yeah, it was fun to come here, but I'm like, I would have gone to like Florence or Naples or like so many other places or just the freaking countryside anywhere else in Italy, like even Rome. Even though I know Rome's really dirty too, but I'm just like, and we spent like way too many days there too. I remember that. I think we were there for like four days. I'm like, why are we four days in Venice? This sucks. It was the only place I did not go out at night. Every other place, like we went out at night. We like, we took photos at night, like in Bruges. Holy crap. What a cool little town. Just like, it's untouched by the modern, you know, you know, industrial revolution and stuff. Like, it's just, it was so cool. You felt like you went back in time. Anyways. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
I guess, yeah, you've been in America long enough to, you know, you're, you're American. As an American traveling to these different countries, what do you think is the biggest thing that you personally um, have gained from these cross-cultural experiences? Oh, man. Let me think here, man. That was, I don't, I don't think I was ready for that question. I was like, man, it's a loaded question. I'm, I'm Sorry, that's, that's deep. We just went like high that's level good. and then. It's good. No, 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 no. It's good because it's really making me think. Um, because I, I, I want to give a profound answer. Um, I really think it just, it just, op- I, it's like, I'm going to say profound. Now I'm just going to like a really simple, basic answer. It just opens your mind up. Like, not to knock on Americans, but, but as I knock on them, we just are so self-centered. We just literally think that, you know, America's the greatest country, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, I get trying to be proud of America. I'm absolutely proud of like, you know, how the country, you know, was based on like, you know, the Declaration of Independence, our constitution, just a lot of liberties that a lot of, a lot of other places don't have. But it's like, we didn't think that the world revolves around us. And it's like, just because we're a consumer and materialistic country, there's so much stuff that's outside of our place. And when you go somewhere else, you start to realize that like the culture, the uniqueness, the like just the beauty that lies in other places and how much knowledge other people have. Like just because we have the type of like economy or things that we do here in the U S there's so much you can learn from other people in other countries maybe even more so than here because they have such a different type of life. Um, like there, it's, it's not like expanses, you know, like you have to, like you live close to people. You have to learn to be, I, I think people are just much more mindful overall. Like I, I think that's a very big thing that you don't find in the U S people aren't mindful. Like that's why people talk about certain, like there'll be like Southern hospitality or things like this. Cause like just, Sometimes like people just aren't mindful and you go to Europe, it's just like people are just much more in tune with that. They, they just realize like in order for me to live and to enjoy life and grow and, you know, prosper, other people have to prosper too, right? Like, you know, breaking other people down. Like if I'm like getting mad at, you know, like my neighbor or something, it's like they're adjoining apartment or whatever. Like I don't want to wreck, you know, something. I don't know. That That's just kind of something I really picked up from the different places we stayed at, um, meeting the different like restaurant owners and stuff, just seeing like, the work ethic, their vision, and just just the beauty of people pursuing their dreams where we're not talking about the American dream. Like, this is someone living their dream in, you know, Italy or Germany or Austria, whatever that is. Yeah, and what what is the American dream? What is the American dream? I think the best way to put it is just, like, you could, like, literally, you put in the work and you can, like, make something of yourself. Like, I, I think people have conflated it now. People think that it should be easy or people aren't going to try to cheat you out of things and whatnot. And I think that we're starting to see more and more just how things like that have happened, you know, with different like financial and other events and things that happened. But I think the thing, what it was founded on and what people still, I hope believe in at least is that you put in the work, you dedicate yourself to whatever you see as like, this is the job I want to have. This is the type of life I want to have. And you put in the work and it's, and, and it's attainable more more so than i think anywhere else in the world yeah i think it's much i i think you're like you you're more free to do it i think that's why it's like life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness like you're free to go pursue that right versus like a place where you like because of whatever like the government or just even like the financial situation is much harder there's more obstacles i think to overcome more so than in the u.s which obviously has its obstacles on its own but yeah, I feel like the American dream has become so internationally iconic, and it's good to remember that um, 
yeah, like be thankful for what we can do uh, pursuing the American dream. But then I think that's why travel is so important for Americans. And I'm talking to you as, you know, we're both Americans. Um, but it, it's so important for us to get out and realize that sometimes we get so focused on, I feel like the American dream has become becoming a millionaire or, you know, be, yeah. becoming rich, wealthy, powerful, whatever. That's our American dream. We need to like, go back, dial like, peel back. back. Yeah. yeah. Dial back and go back to the American dream is living freely, uh, peaceably with your family, with your neighbors, with your community. That it's is the pursuit true. of happiness. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere along the line, I feel like the American dream got hijacked. And, and when you see these other countries, it's like, Oh, other countries have dreams and goals too. You know, they're working towards. And, and I, I, I think what you said is so important. America um, is very, we have a tendency, um, to be very individualistic instead of community, community based. And so that's, that's a big thing that I've learned, you know, through viewing other cultures is just how much they focus on the family and the community. And right. I think that's good to remember. And of course, you know, other cultures can learn stuff from Americans and different cultures, you know, right. but, um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's, I, I think it's really good to, you see these other cultures and take that back into your own culture and reevaluate your own life and kind of, you know, reevaluate your own priorities. hundred percent, hundred percent. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I think it's very much an issue that we've run into where it's like now hat we've, we've replaced happiness with pursuit of materials, money, the house, like I said, being a millionaire. And it's like, at the end of the day, it was like, you're free to pursue the life where you are fulfilled, you have meaning with your community. Cause that's where that comes in. Right. The whole focus on family and relationship, that's where you're going to find fulfillment and happiness and whatnot. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why Americans are so depressed and why we have, and those types of things are just skyrocketing. Right. So, uh, yeah. because, that's the one thing people are struggling to have right now is actual community, actual relationship because of, you know, the pandemic and whatnot. And all of a sudden people realize you can have all the money in the world. You can have all these other things, but all of a sudden the thing that you need the most that makes you feel connected, belonging and all those different things is relationship and family and yeah, yeah your, your community. No, I love that. Um, as we, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to talk about your photography. For anybody who's listening to this podcast who really wants to get into travel photography, do you have any like tips and tricks for kind of your process for setting up an image? Um, and I'm thinking more like, well, yeah, let, let's talk about product photography since that's what you're super good at. I, I could do either. I could go either, which, whichever one you want me to do. I could, I could do either. Like, I mean, I, I feel like, like it comes down to principles oftentimes. I'd say firstly, it's just like, you're never going to stop learning. Uh, I look back on my Iceland trip and I'm just like, I was such a rookie, which I was, I was straight up a rookie. I remember going in like, I have a boss photographer. Blah, blah, blah. I can nail this. And like, I mean, I finally shot my first wedding. I'm this far in and I'm just like, I'm still learning. I'm always, so like you have to be open to learning. Just if you see someone that is crushing it in some type of photography thing or just anything in life, but since we're talking about photography, if you see another creative that's just creating phenomenal stuff, just soak up any knowledge and that, that you can find. So I'd say that's one. And then two, it's just like, you can soak up a ton of knowledge, but if you don't ever try to implement it, you're you're never going to go anywhere. You can be the most knowledgeable person about, you know, like, I mean, a classic example is like a celebrity, right? I can know everything about them, but I don't actually know them because I haven't actually had that relationship or experience, right? So I can know everything there is about, you know, 
landscape photography or product photography, but if I actually haven't gone out and tried shooting landscapes and learned from my mistakes and learned like, oh, this is why there's the rule of thirds. I remember I never understood the rule of thirds until I went into landscape photography. Now I'm like, it makes so much sense because in product photography, center framing and different things is totally fine. Like, pro I think that's part of the reason why I like product photography so much is because you can get insanely creative with it. I'm not saying you can't get creative with landscape, but it's like that's where a lot of the rules of photography have come from. It's because there's only, like, if you're not flying a drone or something, you're stuck with this, like, you have to physically move to change things. And that movement to make a big difference is kind of drastic. Hence why people use like 70 to 200 lenses. And I know some landscape photographers, their favorite lens is a 400 mil. I never understood it. Now I've seen some photos and I'm like, oh, I now understand, right? Because that's where you can really change like things like compression and whatnot. So yeah, I would, I, I'd say the number one tip is like, learn knowledge, go do some research on something. If you're wanting to go do like landscape or product photography, then two is just try stuff out. Like, don't be afraid to try it. Like the biggest thing that I would say has held me back in everything. And probably the biggest thing for me currently is video stuff. It's just not trying it because I have this idea in my head and I'm always, everyone's always, in, always in their head. Right. I have this idea in my head where it's like, it has to turn out like this. And if I, and then I psych myself out, I'm like, Oh, I, I don't think I can do it because it's not going to turn out that way. So I don't do it. Well, you're not going to know until you try right and then you learn from that and it's either like yeah i did it or you're like okay i didn't do it but here's what i can do next time so, but yeah. uh yeah yeah the that's, fear of trying it there. man that'll that that'll cripple Killed you with you, anything <laughs> absolutely bro absolutely no because actually what's funny now is i look back and i've got the most expensive camera setup i've ever had and i think sometimes now i'm more apprehensive to take a photo than when i had my Entry level, I think combined, like, you know, it was a $200 camera that my, uh, that my brother bought on sale for me. And then I, I, I finally upgraded a lens. Ooh, that would be a tip too. I'll, I'll throw this here really quick. Lenses are everything. Don't worry about a, a camera body as much. As long as you have a decent camera body. I literally, I, I look back at photos. Unfortunately, I only started shooting raw images, which is like the best version of taking all like images because it has all the information. But um, I look back on my photos and I can see the, drastic difference from just changing one lens because i actually upgraded i paid 500 dollars for a lens i had a 200 camera body but i had a 550 lens and i only sold that lens when i finally changed like the the actual camera system i was on i wasn't shooting on a dslr i was now shooting on a mirrorless camera and that one lens i've made my money back in that lens like 10 times over like it's insane how much money I've made back in that lens and even just the experience because that lens did everything for me for the price range. And it was just crazy to go from the kit lens that it came with and then having a lens that just completely changed it because the lens is what's actually manipulating and changing the light. Like all your camera body doing is reading it and just like in the sensor just reads and like, you know, like captures the light. So if you have a really good lens, that'll take you so much further than having a really good camera body. But then you're like, Oh, I couldn't invest in a good lens. So anyways, and they also hold their value. Sorry. <laughs> I went off there, but the, I, I, was, I, I was thinking back. That's been the biggest, biggest thing for me is uh, as I look back now. But, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. Like, I look back on when I had cheaper gear, how I was much more gung-ho to just try stuff. And now because of more expensive stuff, you get in your head, you're like, I have this really good gear. I have to create good gear content versus like when you have like an entry level, it's like, oh, I'm just creating, I'm having fun. And the next thing you get this connection where it's like, this costs so many thousand dollars. Are my images looking like so many thousand dollar images? Oh no, they're not. I don't know. 
yeah. So, and I think that's where the lens tip came in. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about like, if you have expense, if you wait to get expensive equipment, then you're not going to just practice and shoot whatever, because you're going to be like, Oh, is this perfect? And we all know that I, I feel like there was this, this old proverb about, you know, half the, half the classroom was supposed to make perfect pots. And then the other half just had to make as many as they could. And what they found was none of the ones that were supposed to make perfect pots made perfect pots. But then the ones who made as many as they could, there were several that actually had perfect pots that they had made by the end of the day. I don't know where I heard that, but yeah, it's, it's so true. Like it's so applicable. Cause it's all up there. If you go in and literally I, I, I'm trying to think, have I finished this caption or have I been thinking about writing this caption? The whole, oh no, 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 no. I was talking about it in a, in a, I, in a video. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it is a caption. I just, I just wrote a caption called art isn't perfect. Um, and it's talking about this one stupid coffee shot. I'll actually, I'll just, I'll just pop it up here just for the fun of it because it's a really crazy moment for me. So there's the photo. You, is, am I holding it high enough? Can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. It, All it's... right. So 10 minutes. I sat there for 10 minutes. Is, is this shot good enough? Is this shot good enough? It's a simple shot. I literally put down the cup. I'm pulling a double shot of espresso. That's all I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I sat there for 10 minutes before I pulled the shot. I'm like, is this looking good? Is this looking good? Is it art isn't supposed to be perfect. It's like you like art, like art is a human interpretation. It's you take you're you're creating, you're taking an idea or you're taking something from another realm of something. And then you're putting it into a new realm. You are speaking your personality and your, um, artistic view of whatever into that, right? So, because you're flawed, you're, there's going to be flaws in things. And so when you focus on trying to create the perfect thing, you end up either not creating or then all you see is just the imperfection versus like you go into something being like, I'm going to do my best. I'm going like, to be proud of the work because I know that my mindset, my attitude, my soul, my passion is all behind this. And so I'm putting all that behind it. So I'm not worried about it being perfect. I'm just making sure that People are going to know this person made this because they care. This person made it because they're passionate. This person made this and it's awesome because they are that driven to create something that they're um, proud of. So, yeah. Which that's easy to, easy, easy, easy to flip, right? You know, something being perfect and being proud of something. Oh, I'm going to be proud of it if it's perfect. No. <laughs> Anyways. Sorry, tangent, but it just, it just, it's, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because it's, probably the biggest struggle for me now and i'm like so much further on in my creative journey but it's just it's crazy how when you get it stuck up in your head it just yeah. it ruins you <laughs> no i love that where do you get the inspiration for your captions do you just share what you're thinking about pretty much i actually just had a friend like comment i'm trying i can't remember what photo it was it's, i'm pretty sure it was this week dang it it's gonna bug me out if i don't remember but i have to keep going we're on a podcast um so he, he pretty much just reached out and said, dude, we, I'd you should make a video on your IG process, how you post photos. Oh, I do remember the photo I posted. I, I, I posted this photo of this bottle of whiskey. I actually just posted a reel about it today. Simplest photo ever. I've got this stupid bottle of whiskey that this company sent me. It's up here somewhere. And um, I just grabbed this old chest that I have. I bought this really cool vintage chest. And then I bought this 100-year-old rope of Etsy. Three things. I just, and I wrapped the rope around the whiskey bottle. And it's all laying on top of the chest. And I just stood above it on a chair and I took this photo. Super simple. But 
people loved it. They talked about it. They're like, this is like impactful, this is meaningful. And so I wrote a whole caption about like the aesthetic, the importance of aesthetic, and then matching aesthetic with whatever you're photographing. And that's something I think is important about product photography. It's like you look at what the the message in the bottle. <laughs> I went with it for the bottle. Message, what's the message that the product is trying to per- convey? What's the company trying to per- portray? And then match that type of aesthetic when you're taking the photo, when you're doing product photography. And that can be for other things too. But um, where's going to go with that? Oh, yeah, IG process. That's right. Wow, I'm going off tangents like nothing else today. Whoa. So process for me starts from, it is in my head, but it's usually, it's, it's music. So I'm very intentional. By that, I mean I listen to one artist pretty much, or three. <laughs> the music I listen to, because, but, it's, it's, but the reason why I am is because it's, it's very thought-provoking, emotionally driven, passionate music. But specifically, lyrically, it's things that you can really relate to in life that are deeper. So relationship-based, how we interact with people, our connection, our empathy, stuff like that. That's usually where it starts from for me because art is emotional. It 100% is. It's like we put our emotion, our passion behind it. You can instantly tell when someone's like driven to post something, to write a caption. You can sense it, right, from someone's like either the pairing of the visual and the caption or just the caption or just the visual. So usually starts with me from there and then I'll just start writing based off of the music uh, and my frame of mind. And so I obviously music helps build your frame of mind. So that's, that's usually where I go from there. And then I try to like pair visuals that match the captions and make the videos after talking about it. (laughs) It's it's a lot of complicated stuff, but it starts with that type of a framework. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I love how you always post the original picture. So you do like the edited version and the original. I just the, the, I started doing that because I feel like people don't do it enough. And the, the re, a part of the reason why I do it is because like people like to be like, oh wow, you're so amazing, you do these things, and I'm, I'm talking about other people. And uh, and and the thing is like it's really just how you capture the photo, right? And so like for me, I wanted to show people like it's not that I'm doing anything crazy. I've just learned a lot of things. I just enjoy capturing a photo and I want to show you the before. It's like, you can do this too, right? Like most of the stuff is done in camera for me. I want to show people, it's not like, wow, you used to be a master in Photoshop. I don't even really use Photoshop. This past, this week, I finally got into it. I'm having a blast. I'm actually loving it. A friend helped me, teach me. He got on a video call from Spain, showed me how to do it. But I just use Lightroom, right? And so it's like, you can totally do this, right? If you if you're intentional about how you set up the photo, you have that mindset, that vision, and you're behind what you're going to make because you're passionate about it, that's where the majority of the work goes in. If you nail all those things in camera, after the, like, like the post work is really easy then, and then that's just another form of artistic expression. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And again, for all our listeners, they can go check out your account at Stefan Heldzinger. And I'll also have that listed in the show notes. So you can and, go to the... and, and if you don't have an Instagram, I have a website, stefanheldingerphotography.com. So for all, for, all, for all the OG people who do not have Instagram, I know you're out there. Totally fine. I waste way too much time on that stupid app. But <laughs> I was sorry. I was talking to another influencer friend. He's just, he was like, bro, I'm just milking that cow until it's done. Like eventually something else will pop up, but hey, 100%. but I mean, it's all about connecting with people. And I mean, you've done it. I've done it. Like oh. it's such an amazing way to find community even online. And well, your trip to New York city, 
I, I don't want to go too that, long here, but t tell me but, about that trip. Dude, that, that, that was the perfect segue. I was going to roll into that myself. Yeah, so I went to this. I, I'd never been to the, Okay, yeah, I had. I was, I was two years old. Anyway, fast forward. New York City, right? I've never been there. I've always wanted to go. These two creators from Huntsville, Alabama are like, bro, we love your stuff. We're like, we're chilling. Want to come with us on this trip? Never met these dudes in my life. They seem super cool. We did like, you know, like video chat before talking about the details and like booking stuff. And like we, we all chipped in for Airbnb and stuff. But yeah, I met up with them. Absolute bonkers blast. Best time ever. Just like really good personalities clicking and stuff like that. It was absolutely fun. Like every time I go up to Chattanooga now, I will message them and be like, yo, I'm in Chattanooga. They'll drive up from Huntsville for the day or the last time I was there, the one dude hung out with me for the weekend. He stayed at my parents' place. We we're hanging out. If you see any photos from Chattanooga recently and I'm in it, he took those photos. He just lays it. He's a phenomenal creator. He works full-time for a marketing agency now there. But yeah, Instagram made that possible. That was such a blast. New York would not have been the same if I'd been there by myself. And that's why that's probably one of my most favorite trips. Because I thought I was by myself. It was great. It was fun. But it limited me creatively because eventually, like, and you also see my art. Firstly, inexperience of shooting landscape. But also, secondly, I, I didn't have anyone to kind of, like, play off of. Like, when you're shooting with another creative, it's just like conversation. You play off of, like, other people's ideas and stuff. So you're out there. You're creating with someone. You're kind of stuck. They come up with an idea. And next thing you're rolling, you're inspiring each other. And it's, that's why I'm still on Instagram. Like I absolutely love building community. I've had so many cool messages that people sent me or I've sent other people. I'm just like, bro, you've inspired me. Like you follow me and I, I happen to see your photo. I freaking love it. I just wanted to let you know that it's just so much fun. I love hearing from people like same thing where, where, where there's like this video made my day. This, I really learned a lot. Thank you for sharing this or whatever. It's, yeah, like like Instagram and just technology and all those things in and of themselves, it's worthless. Like metrics are worthless, right? And so I think I needed the metric thing to like kind of like crumble, which we're seeing happening with Instagram's algorithm stuff. But now it's like, I don't even care about that. Like it's all about being able to connect with people, have a good conversation, uplift someone else, bring some positivity, vice versa, whatever it is. So anyways, I get pumped on that. So absolutely what I love about Instagram. Yeah, no, it, it's it's connecting with people, and it's just amazing what opportunities arise uh, from using that. So, um, yeah, absolutely love it. Well, hey, let's go ahead and wrap up with a section that I call the rapid fire facts section. Do you prefer beaches or cities? Cities. What is the worst food that you've ever tried? Oh, it doesn't have to be like intentionally made that way or not because I'm like, before I answer this, because I know it popped my head instantly. I know what it is, but it was rotten. Just say it. No, I remember at the spot like at my church, man. It's way back. Like, crap, I don't know, I'm 28 now, so I was probably like 20 or 19, bro. <laughs> so our church was renting or using it on the Saturday from the, sun, from the Sunday church, bro. So I guess somebody had left out like some dish or something somehow and it was rotten bro someone put it out for potluck all right so for this fellowship meal right no. people out there and, and so what happened was so one person made it and they're like this is crap let's start daring people to eat this and so a guy around and i was like oh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lose out on this dare 
because I'm freaking 19 years old, moron. So I eat this stuff, dude. I finished it too, man. People were getting freaking sick. Because <laughs> it was rotten. It was like rotten potatoes or something. It had been out like for, I don't know the exact full story, but dude, it was straight up rotten. It is the worst thing I have ever tasted in my life. I can still almost taste it. Because it was just like barf. It was the worst stuff you've ever had. Oh, that's rank. disgusting. Absolute rank, dude. No. But anyways. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah. What is... Uh, oh, the memory. <laughs> what is your favorite airport that you've flown through? Crap. Favorite airport. Man, this must be a rapid fire. I suck at this already. Um, I don't know. I just enjoy Iceland Airport. It was so beautiful. That's the only one, I, it's the only one that's coming to mind for me right now. All the American airports are just too American. I I, 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 I I never spend time being like, oh wow, this is so this is so great. I don't know. Do you prefer group or solo travel? Oh, group hundred percent. That was that was the other thing about the uh, about the trip up to uh, about the Europe trip too. You're in a group, anyways. True. Do you prefer train or bus travel? Train. Oh, trains are fantastic. You're a rail man. Oh, you just get you can relax. I. I or do you stop giving commentary? Okay. No, it's okay. It, it's kind of fun to hear your comments, so go for it. <laughs> no, um, I'm done. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're just going to comment to say that you're going to stop commenting. Love it. Um, exactly. Do, do you prefer a strict schedule or go with the flow? Oh, crap. Uh, it honestly depends on what it is. I tend to just be the go with the flow person, and that shoots myself in the foot so much more. So I would say probably structured, but... Uh, but but travel like it's like for for traveling you need both you absolutely have to have it. like like have a structure but just be flexible like deviate like especially like artists deviate that's how you go with the flow bro the flow state you have to you wreck it if you're just like no we said we're gonna go here we're having pizza y'all it's pizza you cannot draw <laughs> within the lines there is no exploration there um I haven't asked this question in a while. Would you rather find yourself standing in a flock of butterflies or swimming in a bioluminescent bay? That bioluminescent bay sounds fantastic, bro. I'm serious. Like, I, I also love the color. Like, I've, I actually had a friend that, sh uh, that was able to capture the bioluminescence that happened one time out in San Diego. It was this, it was this past year, like November, October or whatever. He shot photos, dude. It was rad. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Anyways. Yeah. That, that it's, is cool. It's dope. Do you prefer the window or aisle seat when you're flying? Oh, 100% window. But no, the best one is, is when you have the entire thing because then you can take those cool window shots with the window up and the light coming in and no one in the seat. You're just like, boom, boom, boom. So I've never had that yet, unfortunately, but I want it. But True. window seat is definitely better because I've taken one window photo when I was over Mount Rainier up in Washington. The only time I've ever taken a window photo and I love that photo. So definitely window. You just like Except lean in. Go to the bathroom. You have to go to the bathroom and oh, creative guy here. We're going to window. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's when you just like lean into the middle person to take the picture and be like, "Excuse me, I need to get the full window shot in here." Yeah, it... I've actually done that before. <laughs> I'm I mean, not surprised. I asked, like, like, hey, do you not mind? We we'd had a conversation. It wasn't like awkward. Like the whole time you're like. <laughs> no, I asked, but I did. I was I was in their seat to take the photo, actually. So. <laughs> and then, last question. This can be as long as you want it to be. 
uh, within reason. We don't want to take an hour on this question. Um, <laughs> what? I had to say that. What makes travel worth it to you personally? Memories. 100%. Memories uh, and relationships, because I feel like those go hand in hand. Um, and, when, and when you're able to combine both, so being with people, like that's why I talk about the New York trip so much. Also really enjoyed the trip, you know, to Europe. When you're with people creating memories, you kind of have like a similar like like the vision or idea like, hey, we're going to go explore Europe. Like, hey, we're three creatives are going to go. We've never met up before. We're all going to go meet up, hang out, and take cool photos in New York. It's just it's like only good stuff happens. Like unless, of course, you hate each other. But, you know, but like, yeah, like memories and relationships because that's all that you technically have. Like your camera can break, you know, all these different things. Like you, you can lose stuff, you know, you cards corrupt all this stuff but memories and uh and relationships you take with you until you die right and and then it's still with those people too right and then people can tell those stories and stuff and people resonate with that much more like people don't want to just hear about cameras and how i took this banger photo people want to hear about the actual emotion and the thing behind it like what inspired you or a person inspired you are you doing this because of someone in your family that inspired you or whatever Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share this conversation with your friends. You can find me on social media at TravelWorthLiving or on the web at TravelWorthLiving.com. I sincerely hope you'll join me again next week for another incredible conversation about travel. I'm Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.